0: Hey guys, on today's episode, we will be chatting with David Rogers, pianist, composer, touring musician, and overall amazing person. Um, He's going to be talking about his second album, Doorways, this new project that he's starting, and just all about why he chose to stay in Nashville.
1: Welcome to the musician's guide to being healthy, wealthy, and wise. Every week, we have music industry professionals and top performers show their insights on thriving as a modern musician. Whether you're a recent grad or high-profile artist, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Karen Cubides, CEO of Cubides Artist Services, marketing and management consultant, educator, and professional saxophonist based in Nashville, Tennessee
0: guys, welcome to episode 15. I'm sitting here with David Rogers. He's a pianist, composer, and artist here based in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome, David.
1: Thanks so much, Karen. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast.
0: I am so excited to have you here. Um, I know we work together, you know, you're the Emerging Artist Program, but um, just having a chance this weekend actually to record some videos for you and just to kind of be immersed in your world was just. So stinking excited. Like your album, everything that's coming out, I'm just so, so pumped. So, before we get into that though, like tell us who you are and like what you do, where you're from. Kind of give us a bigger scoop than my little intro here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I came to Nashville in 2013 and I came here to start school at Vanderbilt University. I came as a piano performance major. So, classical music is sort of my background. I grew up in Pasadena, California, and that's where I, you know, grew up all 18 years. And I, you know, I studied classical music. I was interested in a lot of different things. Both my parents are engineers. (laughs) So I had this diverse background of um, interests. And, you know, my mom is also from Hong Kong. My dad is Caucasian. So I had this diverse ethnic background as well. And so growing up, I was always just exposed to so many different things. And so I came to Nashville and and Vanderbilt specifically. And, you know, like so many kids who start off at Vanderbilt, you know, you're all gung-ho and you want to study as many things as possible. You want to at least double major, if yeah. <laughs> not more. And I gave that a shot. You know, I tried computer science in addition to music, but oh I ultimately, gosh. yeah, it, okay. was, it was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. Ultimately, I realized, you know, it was just about music for me. Okay. So I've, I've just stuck around ever since. I graduated in 2017, went on the road with Kebmo and Taj Mahal. I mean, it's a crazy no big story. big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's one of those serendipitous things where these opportunities that aren't even on your, radar necessarily just mm-hmm. show up. I mean, it's just a testament to how crazy life is. And I'm just so grateful for that. So that kept me in town yeah. and meeting so many amazing people here, yourself included, has um, really made Nashville feel like home.
0: Yeah, that's so amazing. So how did you transition from being a student to a touring musician with like the best?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in a lot of ways, I still feel like I'm in that Transitory stage, yeah. Just because of my age, um, most of the people I'm around on the road are older than me, and so I always feel like the the little kid brother, yeah, <laughs> you know, or the <laughs> or not necessarily a misfit, but I, you know, I'm always aware of, of my age, and so for me, a lot of it was just being around the musicians um, who are older, um, mm-hmm. learning from their experiences, and also being involved with people who embrace me. Um, so openly, you know, guys like, you know, Jeremy Wilson and Jose Sabaha who have made an effort to include me on their own professional projects, both recording, I'm on, you know, Jeremy's perspective CD and, and, um, you know, just getting opportunities to hang out with them and be involved on a professional level with them has really made that transition a lot easier.
0: Yeah. That's so good. So how do you balance all these different things that you do within the industry? Like, just piano alone, between the classical and the jazz and the improvisational interests, like how do you make it all work?
1: Well, first of all, it's nice that you think that I do make it work <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think balance is an interesting word for me. Um, I like to think about intention um, first and foremost, before I think about balance and and the reason I say that is because I think if you have very clear intentions about what you want. You know, from your life, just being super broad, for example, um, it makes things. You know, things will sort of shape themselves as opposed to not having a clear intention and maybe having, you know, just waking up one day or that that feeling of just waking up one day and you're like, wow, I have th- I have three gigs and then I have rehearsal. You know, I'm playing this Shostakovich trio in Chattanooga and then, you know, I'm going on the road with Kev Or uh, instead of waking up and suddenly feeling overwhelmed, yeah. if you have very clear intentions about what you want to do. Um, or, or maybe how you wanna, what you wanna get out of those opportunities, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I think that makes it a lot easier to quote unquote balance. And so for me, those intentions really come down to, I think, gratitude first and foremost, and always just being grateful. You know, if I'm leading with gratitude, that makes life a lot more manageable. Yeah. And and it it keeps your perspective in check instead of ever feeling overwhelmed, not that I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means, um, (laughs) as you know. Um, But I think for me, leading with gratitude just gives me that perspective of, of, you know, wow, when I zoom out, I'm, I have this gift of being able to pursue music just about every single day and share that with people. And whether it's classical music or jazz or improvisation or composing or being on the road or, or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. that just, it it almost takes care of the problem without me having to worry about balancing it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Huge fan of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we live in arguably the fastest growing metropolis here in in the United States. You know, it, what is it like an average of 99 people move here every single day? Something exactly, crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, and with your resume and the things that have happened for you, obviously as a result of your hard work and whatnot, but what made you stay though in the Nashville scene in particular, and maybe not go to New York or go back to the West coast? Like why are you still here?
1: Yeah. Great question. Actually when second semester senior year rolled around, um, so that would be like January of 2017. Mm -hmm. I really had no idea that touring was even a remote possibility for me. So I was set on Going to grad school at NEC, New England Conservatory, up in Boston, and that was my plan. You know, I had auditioned, I had gotten a great scholarship, and I had, you know, picked out my teachers and, yeah. and new friends up there. And I was like, "Great, this is exciting! Masters in Jazz Performance, let's go!" Right. Um, and then all of a sudden, I get this call to to be the the keyboardist for this Taj Mahal Kavmo gig. That was the first thing that made me consider sticking around. Because opportunities like that don't just roll around. Right. For me, education is so important and school is very important to me. But that will always be there in terms of a fixture, at least in my foreseeable lifetime. Yeah. Opportunities to tour with these multi-Grammy winning blues musicians, learn from these guys who have just incredible experiences that could never really be condensed into a course or even a degree. Yeah. That, for me, made me sort of turn my head and think, well, maybe my grand plan A is not the grand plan A after all. Right. That was the first thing. The second thing was, having been in Nashville during those four years, during my time at Vanderbilt, <clears throat> I got a sense of the musical community here. And I, I had gotten the chance to play with a lot of great musicians here in town, having been mentored by... Um, several notable musicians, you know, Jeff Coffin and Bruce Dudley, who I studied jazz piano with for all four years at Vanderbilt. You know, Ryan Mita, of course, the head of the jazz department at Vanderbilt. So guys like that helped me expand my consciousness of what was available, both from the musicians here, but also the opportunities here. Yeah. And so I think all those things played a big role in my decision to ultimately stay here.
0: That's amazing. So, um, this weekend when we got together and we're recording your podcast and you know, a couple of other projects, um, I learned a lot about improvisation and you know, mm. your your love and passion with it and just that kind of community that is emerging here in the Nashville scene. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I think I've always been an improviser. And the only reason I really remember that is because I don't remember what age it was, but one of my, I think probably the best, it was either a Christmas or birthday present that I ever got. Mm-hmm. I think I may have been about eight or nine or so. And my dad got me this little cassette tape recorder with, you know, a stack of just blank tapes. Mm -hmm. And when I figured out that I could sit at the piano with this little tape recorder and record myself, my world was just blown wide open. I mean, it was like the coolest (laughs) thing in the world to me. And that gave me the sort of open this doorway for me to. That was a good d- one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a, a record coming out called Doorway September 1st, small plug, <laughs> um, real subtle. <laughs> um, but when I had this tape recorder and I would at the piano and just play. And for me, it wasn't, it wasn't about improvisation. It, for me, it was like, I'm just so enamored with the sound that's coming out of this piano that I'm partially responsible for by pushing buttons (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know and then I would listen back and I'd be like wow it's so cool that I did that and I think that that created this sort of this endless cycle of me just wanting to play to listen I've always loved listening I think that's what drives the improvisation for me that's what drives the creating is the listening Uh, I remember my mom first got me this program finale which -hmm. is a music notation software in 2004 and I think I was 10 and I would just write out songs that, I mean, everyone would know, you know, maybe like Mary Had a Little Lamb or, yeah. I don't know, maybe a theme from a Beethoven um, symphony or something. Yeah, yeah, And I would just write it out. The MIDI sounds were terrible, but I just wanted to hear them. And I just want, so I think listening for me has been the biggest part of the joy of improvising. Um, and then in 2016, I went to this this workshop in Banff, mm-hmm. B-A-N-F-F. I always have to spell it when I pronounce it. <laughs> um, in in Alberta, Canada, and it's called the International Workshop in Jazz and Creative Music, and it's led by this incredible improviser, pianist, composer, author Vijay Iyer, mm-hmm. who's based in New York. <clears throat> and um, that's when improvisation for me took on a whole new meaning, yeah, because I was for the first time I was surrounded by maybe fifty or more peers, people around my age, a little older and a little younger than me, who are improvising at the, at this highest level, being around musicians who do this for a living and who think about this for a living and who are excited about this at a level that I had never experienced before. Mm -hmm. And so that, for me, that's when improvisation sort of went from, oh, just this cool thing that I, that I do in the context of jazz to like this whole nother way of experiencing music.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. So, I have kind of like a personal question. Mm-hmm. So, I've been working with a lot of, you know, young artists and, you know, mostly my niche is classical music and you know, we're both classically trained. And one of the biggest fears when it comes to improvisation, I'll speak on my personal experience, is you know, you're taught to, you know, read music and to, you know, learn all your scales and your arpeggios and, you know, you just have really amazing formative technique and just kind of a baseline for everything. And then you pick an instrument like I did saxophone where it's like everybody knows what a saxophone's supposed (laughs) to sound like. And everybody knows what improvising on a saxophone should sound like maybe, or, you know, we have all these greats to sound and look up to and, you know, like the John Coltrane's and the Charlie Parker's. How do you, you know, tell yourself that your sound is okay and it's enough and that you don't have to be like anyone else. Because for me, it's almost, it's been debilitating in my you know musical education to even consider improvising because I'm like, I don't sound like that. I don't nah. do that. No equipment in the world would make me sound like that because that's just not what I sound like.
1: Right. I think it, it's a lot, You know, as, as you know, music and life are so intertwined. Yeah. And I think improvisation in the musical context is so similar to reflecting and living life on just the human experience level. And as any musician knows, whether you're classically trained or or not, when you get up on that stage and perform, if you've ever had that experience, there's a certain thing that happens in our brain. Yeah. Right? And and part of that, you know, you can call it stage fright, you know, whatever, but there's this, something (laughs) changes in our brain. And I think it's part of, the way to deal with that is just to trust yourself and remember that you are enough. That, you know, the fact that we're even alive, period, is validation enough that yeah. we are, are good enough, you know, to exist, to create, to chase our dreams, to do what we want to do that fulfills us yeah. um, in a way that is constructive to the world and helpful. So I think really meditating on that idea does a lot to sort of like quell the fears about improvisation on a musical level because it's all yeah. related. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's specific things you can practice. You know, you can get all nerdy and, you know, scales and, yeah. you know, arpeggios and modes, <laughs> all <laughs> those all those buzzwords. But <laughs> but I think it it's rooted in this deeper concept of um, understanding who you are as a human being. Vijay Iyer, who I mentioned before, describes improvisation as the human reaction to the inevitable.
0: That's good. And I
1: love that. Mm. I think that's such a powerful way to look at improvisation both in a musical context but just, again, on the human experience level because yeah. we're always improvising. This podcast is improvised. Yes. You know? <laughs> Conversation. You know, what we do in life, we, we're constantly improvising in life. So I think what it is is for people who are maybe unfamiliar with it or, or maybe even scared of it is just connecting that that thing in their brain like, Oh, I'm already doing this. Maybe I just don't have the specific tools consciously to do it at the level that I want to do yet. Yeah. But it's totally within everyone's capability because we're always doing it.
0: That's so good. My mind is blown. We can just stop now. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Um, uh, love it. Wow. Okay. So good. Mm -hmm. Um, let's talk about your album doorways and, so tell me like, what we can expect, um, how it came into fruition, mm. and um, you know, what are some challenges that you face along the way?
1: Yeah, yeah, great questions. Um, this project, Doorways, I had the idea after I got off the road. Actually, before that, because I wrote a lot of the music on the road. Um, there's one tune in particular, Long Way Home, that I wrote on the road coming from that sentiment of sort of missing home, as you might expect from the title. Yeah. You know, when you're on the road it's kind of hard to maintain relationships with people sometimes. Yeah. And that's a, that's an ongoing challenge with any touring musician. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to that, but I wrote the, a lot of the music on the road and I had all this music sitting there and I was like, well, it's not doing anyone any good if it's just sitting there in my brain right. or, or on <laughs> finale, um, or, you know, in logic or something. So I think I first announced it at the end of 2017 and, doorways you know the concept of doorways for me is about opportunity and change you know the concept of a door you know it leads somewhere yeah and you know you can you can either choose to walk through it or around it you can walk away from it and <clears throat> so what doorways represents for me is like this it's kind of like the last two years of my life, you know, I've had all these opportunities that came out of nowhere at first. And then I, you know, I chose to just keep following them. And, you know, you go down the hall and there's, there's like five more doors. And it's like, which one do you go through? And (laughs) you're always learning in the process. And so musically I've learned a lot as well. And so this music is going to sound a lot different than my first record, songs for a generation, which was much more, sort of in this jazz, almost classical idiom Mm -hmm. in this record. I, I've learned so much about the studio specifically, you know, using the, the technology that we have in the studio, um, specifically being around Keb so much. So, you know, I really tried to think of the studio as an additional band member, yeah. if that makes sense. That's interesting. So, you know, both from a creative aspect,
0: <clears throat>
1: or I guess especially from a creative aspect, when I'm writing the music and even when I'm recording in the studio, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, <laughs> well, I'm thinking about the music in the moment, hopefully, <laughs> but but maybe before or after, I'm also thinking, you know, what plugin could we use here or, or what's the capability of Pro Tools or Ableton to manipulate what we just recorded yeah. to achieve something that we may not necessarily be able to do with our fingers or with our hands.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So tell me about your podcast and how that idea came to be and, and what's the purpose behind it?
1: Yeah. Um, hopefully, by the time this episode airs, the <laughs> podcast will be out, it's sort of been this idea that's been incubating yeah. in my mind for a long time, and for I guess I've had the idea for about a year, and it just wouldn't go away. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I always have ideas. Yeah. And my test is, you know, if, if in the next week I just forget about it, it probably wasn't a good idea. Yeah. Because <laughs> we can't. You know, there has to be some level of rationale to what we do. Sure, sure. Maybe. Um, (laughs) um, So I had this idea to talk to people in this city of Nashville who Mm -hmm. I've met and had the chance to play with and get to know a little bit over the last six years. Wow, that's crazy. Five and a half years or so. Who I feel are sort of at the cutting edge or at the forefront of what it means to be a creative musician, Okay. here in, in Nashville, specifically from an improvisatory perspective. So, you know, ultimately there's a lot of jazz musicians who I run into, since that's what I do a lot of the time. But I'm also imp- interested in improvisation on a larger level, as I mentioned. You know, so what is improvisation, and what does it mean, and, and how does it intersect with this music culture that's been in Nashville that's for most people's perspectives is a, a country music town. Right. You know, at least at face value for a lot of people, but there's so much more. And so part of what I'm doing is, is digging deeper and asking questions about what is this, what is this city from a musical perspective? How did it get there? And how do these people who are super creative operate and work and create within that environment? Mm-hmm. And I think my, my biggest intention with this podcast is just to, first of all, spread awareness about what exists here that people may not otherwise be aware of. Right. And hopefully ultimately contribute, contribute to some sort of change in the perception of what Nashville is from a musical perspective. Yeah. It's never going to be a, a New York city. It's never going to be a Los Angeles or Chicago, but it shouldn't be. Right. Um, I just feel like what's being represented right now is not necessarily the complete truth. Right. And so if I guess my biggest intention is just to reveal that other music or that reveal more of the truth of what exists here.
0: That's amazing. Um, I think it's such a, a noble cause. And from our interviews this weekend, just there's so much, so much eclecticness happening here as well. Like so many different people from all walks of life, Doing it for different reasons. Like people left music, came back to it, you know, moved from different cities, people coming here from New York. Like that's crazy to me. Yeah, and
1: I think there's so many relatable stories to people who might not be living in Nashville, but who have this misguided perception that, oh, it's just a country music town. Right. And so maybe if they hear some of these stories and, you know, get to know these people a little bit on these episodes, maybe they will. That will give them the validation or courage that they need to, you know, make the move to, to Nashville, if that's something that they're interested in doing. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of there's so much diversity in this city.
0: Definitely. That
1: maybe most people or a lot of people are not aware of.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I was a northern snob. I moved here <laughs> from Boston. I was like, ew, what are these people? Or like, what is this food? And everything's so slow. And I'm yeah. here like, oh my gosh, this is like a gold mine. Right. There's so much possibility, so much talent. And it's affordable. So everybody move to Nashville. Everyone move here now. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I'm recruiting Nashvilleans. (laughs) So, okay, a couple last questions here. Um, If you could go back in time and tell your younger self something, what would it be?
1: I think I would stress the importance of going for it and taking risks. Um, I am a risk taker at some level, but I think we all have this hesitation a lot of the times that if it's not being done that it shouldn't be done and I think conflating those two ideas can be dangerous for a lot of people who are come from a creative mindset yeah um you know I really don't have any regrets per se but it's I would just go for it you know go for it more Mm -hmm. um whether it's a specific thing like getting your your band booked or or reaching out to somebody or, you know, asking a girl out or something, you know, just, just going for it, um, getting in that mindset because everything is practice and everything conditions your brain. And I think if, if people can, you know, not necessarily be reckless by any means, but just to have the, the courage to, you know, not at the risk of sounding corny, but having the courage to chase your dreams, you know, do the things that excite you.
0: I love that. That's really good. And then the last question, um, what do you want your legacy to be?
1: You know, I really don't think about that much. Um, (laughs) I will answer the question, but I I have to preface it by saying legacy is not important to me. Okay. And I I say that because I don't think I'm that important. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but I'm, I'm just the same as everybody else. Um, And I'm, you know, we're all just human beings. And I really try to remind myself and focus on that and remind myself that, you know, I haven't given opportunities and maybe I have a little bit of a platform right now, but, you know, I'm just a human being. And, and so on a, on a day-to-day level, my goal is always just to, to connect with other people or share the things that I've found exciting or useful experiences in my life or, maybe like my Transcription Tuesday videos, little bits of information that I find yeah. find exciting. I just like sharing things with people. And, you know, maybe if I do that for my whole lifetime, my legacy will ultimately be that I just shared a lot of information with people or, you know, I was just excited about things and, and wanted to share those things with people. Um, but in terms of like me building towards this grand legacy, you know, that's not really that important to me at all it's It's about like the little things that I do on a day to day level that are much more interesting to me, like how can I connect with this person, how can I share what I know, or you know if this person's going through something and maybe I've had a similar experience, yeah how can I help them in that situation, whether it's musical or if it's just like I don't know what I'm doing with my life, talk me off this sledge, yeah, yeah, you know um I'm much more interested in those things than legacy, but I suppose if i do those things for a long time inevitably there will be this sort of residual legacy so i guess that would that's what it would be
0: that's a great answer nobody's ever answered it that way so Hmm. i like that um okay so we have a podcast launching an album dropping when where how tell us
1: the album's launching september 1st which is my birthday oh awesome Um, are you a virgo yes
0: Ooh, yes! twinsies nice I'm on the 15th. Not important, nice. but okay. No, that's so, <laughs> your album drops on the 1st.
1: Podcast listeners, now you have two dates to be aware of Ooh. Karen's birthday and my album release.
0: And your birthday, <laughs> too.
1: <laughs> and then my podcast, The Improviser's Corner, will be available in all the standard streaming services in the first week of March. So, you can definitely be on the lookout for that as well.
0: And then, where can we find you on social media?
1: Social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. My handle on Instagram is at dr4j. And that's because my (laughs) friends in high school used to call me D Raj. And I didn't want to write out R A J like the Indian word for king. So I decided to put the number four in there. um, Amazing. Dr. Four. (laughs) (laughs) And then my, if you search for me, David Rogers, R O D G E R S, uh, or David M. Rogers my middle initial on Facebook you can find my artist page as well
0: okay and you have a website
1: yes davidmrogers.com
0: awesome well thanks for chatting with with us David this was amazing definitely super inspiring for
1: me so much fun yeah